Will 2016 be kinder to energy companies on this energy edition of Industry Focus? Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly, joining you here from Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. It is New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2015, and joining me to ring in the new year is Tyler Crow and Taylor Markerman. Happy New Year, guys. You too. Yeah, happy New Year. Well, not quite yet. Quite. Any any happy resolutions you're going to make? Uh, I, are we going to talk about our res- our energy resolutions? Oh, that's good. Are we? Are we are cool? We, I don't are know. We? Well, maybe. All maybe right. we'll see at the sure. end. Okay. All right, fine. All right. Um, well, we learned last week that we all have horrible track records about predictions, like everybody else, but... Um, Let's make, make some, some anyway. Yeah, why, why not? not? Let's just do it. Who cares? Everybody loves predictions um, and then being like, shame. I should, as long as we admit up front that we don't believe in them, then it's fine. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll just add a disclosure. Um, nobody make any decisions off of the next 20 minutes. <laughs> None <laughs> whatsoever. This um, is purely for entertainment purposes only. So, Taylor, what, up? what trend are you watching in 2016? So, I don't know if it's a trend, but I'm wanting, I'm wanting to see if Saudi Arabia is going to like back down, if they're going to decide... Yeah, maybe producing as much as we're producing isn't the best idea for everybody. But, Taylor, they're trying to capture market share. I know. <laughs> but uh, maybe they do it alone. Maybe they convince Russia and Iraq to, to hop on board. That's too. actually what they want. They want to, like, get the Russians to... Well, because Russia's producing at record levels and Iraq's producing at record so levels right, right now. And so is the United States. But they know we're not going to back down. So I think eh, maybe they can convince Russia or Iraq to do it. Or maybe they just realize... We're a little overboard right now. If they don't do something, event, I mean, isn't what's the point of OPEC if they're not going to do it? They're, they're, if they're going to let leave things to market forces, what's the point of OPEC? Right now, I don't. There, there isn't a point to it after this last meeting because there's, 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 there's no seal. There's no ceiling. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a party twice a year, um, and they only met for like seven hours, and then they got the hell out of there. Really? And that's a long meeting. Yeah, they said that was a long I didn't know meeting. That. Yeah, wow. It was a Friday meeting, and then they all left. I, I guess they're not. I mean, it was in Vienna. I guess none of them are really into skiing because yeah. I could definitely find something to do in a weekend totally. in Austria. But they said they all left angrily and got on their private planes and, and flew back to the country. So, um, yeah, I don't know what the point of it is. Uh, maybe it's a cigar club for I don't know for for sheiks. <laughs> for sheiks. <laughs> well, no, because you have Venezuela in there, and uh, they're not very sheiky. <laughs> so <laughs> the most politically correct of the what? industry focused shows that right it's no, it's true. It's uh so that's this my guy. that's my okay. uh cool maybe not a trend but i'm hoping to see their opinion change got it yeah cool tyler um this is kind of this is a two-year continuation almost of something i've been watching since 2013 it was a prediction i made Back in 2013, and you know everybody was like, ah. And I, I said back then, I was like, a coal company is going to go bankrupt. Like one of the big ones going to go bankrupt. And you know you had one go, and then last year I said another one's going to go bankrupt because if you look at the market forces that are attacking coal right now, it just seemed prime for it. There was a lot of debt laden companies, and lo and behold, who was it? I think Alpha Natural Resources this year did. And going into 2015, the market conditions for coal have not improved at all uh, in these past couple of years. And in some ways, it's actually gotten worse. The price of coal is still going down. And looking at the pressures that are being put on coal... Uh, including uh, natural gas, in, which is that... <laughs> I'm not talking about environmental regulation pressure. I'm talking purely... Right, economic. Switching <laughs> cost to a more economical source, such as natural gas. That uh, also happens to be cleaner. That you know, just 
happens to pass so muster. They what they say. So they say. So they say. So yeah, they say. You, can, you can make the argument on leaks of methane and things like that um, with natural gas. But let's just looking at it from a purely market standpoint. I mean, natural gas is, I believe, actually below two dollars per thousand cubic feet right now on at trading at Henry Hub. And when you have prices that low, you know. I got Anybody? 20. Can I have 10 cubic feet? Exactly. Yes, you, can. you can have 10,000 yes, cubic right feet now. of natural gas. <laughs> like they got 40. I'll, I'll take fill the, full HQ. You can start arbitraging gas. natural gas with that much money. That's this how cheap is like, it is. Woo. So when you have that much pressure being put on the coal market, uh, and, and there's still a lot of debt-laden companies in this space, I, I don't see... I, I want to watch this year if we see an even larger correction in terms of other companies pulling the plug, scaling back production, and just really, I guess you could say, ripping the Band-Aid off really, really hard here. You know, I'm looking at companies like Peabody Energy, largest coal producer in the United States, been hemorrhaging money for years and has not been able to um, cut production enough to bring the market back into balance that I'm – I'm fascinated to see what happens with this. Peabody's market. got a market cap of 140 million dollars, and it's the largest coal company in the United States. Yep. All right. Uh, I believe if you were to go back and look at that, uh, they're down like 98, 99 yeah. percent. Is that do they do like a reverse split in there to get the seven bucks? Because that's what their stock is. Ah, uh, yes, they did. They yeah. did do a split. I was like, yeah, there's no way. <laughs> Speaking of, I think Hal Cohn just did a reverse split. Oh, of course they did. Yeah. I mean, because they were in the twenty cents range or something like that. Yeah. All you need to do is do a reverse reverse split. split. Um, so moving on to the story that everybody really wants to know about: Will oil finally rebalance, and will the price go up in twenty sixteen? Who oh, wants to go first? I'll go. F- I don't know what we mean by rebalancing, but will supply and demand? Because it fell supposedly because we have too much supply. So there's that. Um, it might come close, but I think I don't think prices are going to breach sixty or seventy dollars a barrel. But I wouldn't be surprised if the sector is a top three, top five performing sector in the market for investors. Motion seconded, Tyler. Um, so so much of what we talk about oil and gas, like its ability to rebound, it's always to talk about you know, oh, will Saudi Arabia produce or not produce, or what's going to happen here. When you, but one of the most critical things is we were talking about this before the show is the difference between basically the physical properties of oil reservoirs and the amount of investment that goes into the sector. This past year alone, two hundred twenty billion dollars worth of investment has been pulled out of energy, and not. And I'm not talking about on like the markets. I'm talking about companies scaling back capital expenditures. So that much less money is getting poured into reinvigorate reservoirs, drill for new oil. And these aren't just shale No, not just shale. These are long-tail, big projects. And if you look at the decline rate across the world, you know, you're looking at a decline without reinvestment of 3 to 4%. And as that declines and demand does increase, you're going to get a, a rebalancing. And at the levels of spending, there's been a lot of uh, analysis on the difference in spending, what's going to mean for production projections from people, um, the the widely held belief is that the market will rebalance towards the end of 2016 in terms of how much is being supplied and how much is actually in demand. So what that means for prices, I don't have the slightest of clue. And I don't think anybody in this room, 
in this building, in this state, in this country, or even on this planet knows. That's what's driven me crazy all year is because you have like Goldman Sachs and all these guys making price predictions and everything. It's like all of you were calling $90 plus right before the crash started in November 2014. Mm-hmm. All of you thought 85 90 That's how it always happens. People started yeah. just to change sectors. People just started writing off GoPro. They were loving it when it IPO'd. Right. Then after it dropped like 70%. Now, now it's a sell. Everyone hates it. Everyone hates now it. Now it's a hates sell it. down 70%. It. it happens with every company. All the price targets for anything are lowered after the price of it, the actual good is lowered or this actual stock is lowered. It's They raise their price targets. It's all momentum-based. No one gets out in front of these things. Yeah. Goldman actually thinks that oil will hit $20 or could. What? But they were like you just said, $90 predictions to $20 prediction. Everybody thought ninety dollars yeah. forever. I mean, Goldman might actually be the prototypical case of better to be lucky than good, um, right. because right around January of this year, twenty fifteen, they said that oil was going to trade below forty dollars. It was going to be in that thirty five to forty dollar range, and a lot of people said they were crazy, and they laid out a ton of reasons why they thought it was going to happen. But if you look at what has happened this year, the reasons that we're at that level aren't correlated with what Goldman Sachs said. It's probably more they got lucky because OPEC and Saudi Arabia decided. uh, It's better to be lucky than good. And, you know, maybe there's somewhere in Goldman Sachs that they're like running around giving each other high fives in the office and, you know, they're planning a super awesome Christmas party and be like, yeah, we nailed this one. Everything is awesome. So Everything is cool when you're part of Goldman Sachs. (laughs) (laughs) Nice riff. I really, really hope that they use that as their, like, (laughs) I want that to be their jingle on all of their commercials. That'd be great. Do they have? No, they don't. I don't think they have a. They can make that as part of their like intern introductory video, though. There you go. That's true. Intern introductory video. Drink the Kool Aid. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, before we move on to talking stocks for the next year, I wanted to point our listeners to a newly redesigned focus.fool.com. There you'll discover a special offer to join the Motley Fools Stock Advisor newsletter for all industry focused listeners. All loyal IF uh, loyal IF listeners have access to a special discount on Stock Advisor that works out to one hundred and twenty nine dollars for a full two year subscription. And if you join as part of your new Stock Advisor subscription, you can check out exclusive content from Tyler Crow and I's recent trip to Houston, Texas, where we interviewed executives from National Oil Well Varco and Distribution Now. Um, that was a pretty good time. We had great time, great time. Hung out I mean, in Houston. We, we talked about weather it a was couple nice. weeks now. Uh, the weather wasn't that great. I mean, oh, that's right. It rained. I'm sorry. But whatever. Yeah. It was, oh, it was your other trip to Houston. Yeah. Hopefully we'll go again soon. Um, all right. So, guys, 2016 was rough for, I don't know, everybody's energy portfolios. Um, I'm interested to hear what stocks need to prove it to you in 2016. So not only just perform well or operationally or otherwise, but you don't trust them to execute in the current environment. Uh, Royal Dutch Shell. You don't trust the Dutch? I mean, they just spent $70 billion on an acquisition. I don't think it's going to pan out. That you apparently didn't agree with. Well, I mean, they upped their reserves by 25%, but they spent $71 billion to do it. They're a little bit more into the LNG game with this company, but their locations don't overlap. LNG could be the future, but it's not 2016. So I think think some write-downs could occur. They've already announced over 10,000 layoffs through this deal. So they're wow. cost-cutting. Who knows if that's 
because of efficiencies or because they need to. Um, right. So I think 2016 Royal Dutch Shell is going to have to prove it. Mr. Crow, oh, who needs to prove it to you? There's so many companies. Do I have to just pick one? I, no. So what, All right. if I read you right, what you're saying is the whole Ready? sector just needs to prove it no, to me. No, not the whole sector. I, I think there are some good good apples in there. But independent oil and gas producers in the United States. That was my second runner-up. Prove my it. first runner-up. Prove it. Um, there is a couple of good ones in the in that have you know shown that they can be profitable, that they can be well managed, keep themselves from getting in too much debt trouble. You know, I think EOG Resource is a good example of it. For all these other guys who you know lived under the world of cheap financing, expensive oil, basically the perfect conditions to you know produce oil and give yourself a springboard to become responsible managers. Um, well, now you've been punished, and now you need to prove to us in 2016 that you can more responsibly handle the, the shale situation, you know, improve efficiencies, find a way to be a profitable business on a free cash flow basis, and actually run in that sort of way. And until I see that, I'm still going to be very, very skeptical, at least as my own personal investing in investing in independent ENPs. Do I they got, learn or do they rhyme with history is what we're trying to decide yeah. here. Uh, and as land a, grab is over, so that was a big part of it. They had to drill to keep their their, their acreage and right. That's, that's over. That's not a, you can't you can't lean on that anymore. Yeah. That's for sure. So cool. So uh, as a complete uh, opposite end of the spectrum from your very deep and insightful analysis of why or why not EMP producers domestically should exist, uh, I want to do some harebrained predictions. Just absolutely crazy predictions for 2016. All right. Um, let's I'm, I'm going to make. Some Will enemies. Saudi Arabia cut by no. five million barrels a day? Uh, well, <laughs> here's here's mine. I'm going to make some enemies when I say this. The Halliburton Baker Hughes merger Ooh. will not happen. Uh, my my because guess, of regulators, I assume. A combination well, of things. Over a year in the. It's been over a year in the yeah. making already. Um, it it already was announced um, earlier in December that they were pushing the final decision date all the way out until April 30th because now the U.S. antitrust is starting to sink its teeth into it. You know, We had talked about this a couple months ago when Australia and Europe started talking about antitrust and now the U.S., which is the largest market or market share in terms of that this combined company would have is, is really starting to sink their teeth and say, we don't like the looks of this. And so my thing is, is if I don't think not only do I think it's not going to happen, I don't think they should do it considering all the antitrust because my biggest fear for them would be is they do it. They have to strip themselves or you know of the cupboard of all of these business segments that they have and basically go back to the size that Halliburton was before the, the merger happened anyways. And it just doesn't seem worth it to do it. Um, if they were to go through it, I, again, I think they're going to strip themselves down of so many profitable businesses that it – in order to satisfy yeah, the regulators. Yeah, to satisfy the regulators, yeah. it's not going to make it worth it in the first place. So my guess is, is it doesn't happen. Halliburton gives up shells over $3 billion to Baker Hughes for thanks for your time, and they move on. Wow. Bye, Baker Hughes. That's actually, yeah. Um, is that your crazy prediction? <laughs> <laughs> no, Halliburton tried it. It might not work. Um, no, but if they get $3 billion in cash, that's, that's that not looks too bad. Great. That's not too bad. A little windfall. Um my harebrained prediction, the summer 2016 Olympics is a complete debacle because Petrobras and Valet and all these other companies. Oh, my gosh. 
this actually might not can't be that fund crazy. Brazil's that uh, might not be that crazy. I saw the other day that they're going to plan on making athletes pay for their own air conditioning. That's good. What uh, if you were to go pick some lottery numbers right now? Oh, <laughs> <I don't... laughs> well, and it's not just that too. I mean, I their power, their infrastructure. What are the cra- is shite? They they run yeah. out of power because it's all built on water. So if there's a drought, yeah, yeah, wah, yeah. Wah, wah. I've been um, I do some coverage for premium side, and they have some some investments in Brazil. And one of the ones it brought us to was um, if you look at some of the water related or like what water the rafting. Over there. Oh, well, yeah, I'm talking yeah. about white water oh, rafting, events. a lot of yeah, things yeah. like that. I mean, they're in polluted, polluted, polluted water. water. It's gross. Yeah. And it's almost to the point like we can't afford to clean it up to get it ready. And, you know, how, how great is it going to be Olympics when you're having... The Olympics are an expensive affair. Too. Yes. They're... They can't yeah. just reuse in the a, World Cup stadiums right. they built. They have to build a whole new facility. And it's all in Rio. It's not like it's spread across right. all of Brazil. Right. This is in a country where the president is very, very possibly going to get impeached. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this is good. All yeah. of their money comes from resources, and resources are in the tank, and they've been in the tank. This is a very Buckerman for Prez. That's good. <laughs> That's a good, yeah. That, I, I like that one. <laughs> That's really... And way to tie it into the energy sector, too. I was like, where is he going? To go? <laughs> <laughs> Rio 2016. Reaching. Not um, happening. Right. I do have a crazy one. and Lay I it on us. Um, I think that there is going to be a modest supply disruptions somewhere in the Middle East with one of the major oil producers. And I, my crazy prediction is that you get a big spike in oil because of it. Interesting you say that. I thought, you know, this is the world we're living in now with crazy production. ISIS, if you had I, ISIS like five years ago, even three or four years oil ago. Oil would be 150 years old. Through the roof. They're disrupting Iraq's and Syria's oil production and supply lines. Right. To the, I mean, Egypt, not a very big producer at all. When they had their Arab Spring, prices were going yeah. nuts. So. None of that And is prices continue right to it's fall. arguably worse they right now. They continue to fall. I, I can actually remember a couple of years ago, and I almost kicked myself for having that thought and not really thinking it through. Um, we were at a time where, you know, it wasn't ISIS specifically, but there was major disruptions in Iraq um, because of civil conflict that were holding back production. We had Iran that was hold, held back by sanctions. Libya had basically shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nigeria was under force majeure for a lot of its exports with companies like Shell because of theft and um, – and In Nigeria alone is Nigeria. begging for higher prices for milk. And yeah, so yeah, by the way. we had this whole situation and – Oil prices weren't moving. I mean, it was in the $9,100 right. range for a couple of years. With all of these things happening, it, it, my, my short-term thinking at the time was like, wow, you know, America's done an amazing job here yeah. keeping oil prices where but you they were. Been because bearish, it should have been $200 a barrel yeah, based right. on all of that conflict going on. And then, I don't know, for some reason the thought was, oh, man, what if all those guys did all of a sudden come back? Yeah, what if they're all producing it once again, right. which is now What's happening, happening now? Yeah. I mean, no. even Libya is still well under production right. capacity. If they so. came back, there'd be another 500,000. Anyway, no, my thing is um, this – you look at how much we're oversupplied. I mean, it's, correct me, one, one and a half million barrels or something at worst. I don't know. Of what we're actually producing, of what we could yeah. produce, we're oversupplied by probably five to ten. Right. Um, and – Get a decent supply disruption, boom. I mean, that goes yeah, it would away. have to be pretty major, I think. But you know, ISIS does something crazy. I don't know. They're already doing crazy stuff, but they have to, <laughs> with oil, yes. 
Yeah. Crazy-er. So, Crazy-er. That is my, my hair-wearing prediction. So there you go, people. We've got Halliburton, Baker Hughes not making it happen. 2016 Olympics in the tank. In the sham- that's, shambles. That's a good one. And I really do like that. We thought oh, It's been like a slow burn. Like People thought China's that Summer Olympics good. were going to be terrible because of pollution. People thought Russia Winter Olympics were going to be terrible because Sochi wasn't a winter city. Yeah. And oh, you uh, think that's bad? What about Beijing's Winter Olympics in yeah, 2020, 2022? Oh I can't remember gosh. which one. Oh, my. As somebody who is an avid winter sports guy, I'm dreading <laughs> a Beijing Olympics. It'll be, all be fake snow. Uh, Don't you worry. Um, all right, so before we go, before we ring in the new year, top stock picks for 2016. Oof. 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 Woof. Woof. Well, I think it's Well, you said you're relatively s- bullish on the sector. Say, yeah, I think so, – I was I thinking – well, I'm – R- relatively bullish on the sector. I don't know what the whole market's going to do, right. but I think it'll be in relation to all the other sectors. I think it'll perform well. Whether it produces positive returns or not, I don't know. But uh, my top stock, I'm going to probably have to, because of the low price market we have right now and the reliance on efficiencies and knowing what you're getting yourselves into ahead of time. I'm sticking myself to. Core Labs. You jerk, you took mine. Oh! Core Labs for the win. All right, I'm going to pick I'm going to have to pick another one. You don't have to. No, it's I your am. top stock. You can't gonna, you can't like say it's not your top stock anymore. I had a second place anymore. one. Okay, so second place. this so is Tyler's second it's stock. Core Labs squared. <laughs> Core <laughs> Labs squared. And Tyler's giving us a bonus stock. So bonus for me. Um because and this is actually a large part because we we talked to these guys uh when we were down in Houston giving people a little exclusive access on this one. Um Distribution now. Okay. Um, they've been absolutely hammered just as much as everybody else. I can't wait to talk about them in a couple of weeks on this show. No, I know, it's right? It's going to be – I learned a lot from One of the things guys. that really stood out for me when they were talking and, and one of the things that you talk about when – if we were to start to see a modest recovery in prices that leads to some drilling activity, distribution now is the first phone call from producers. Got to repair a rig. They have sitting there. They're the ones with the spare parts. They're the ones with everything that the the industry needs right then and there. And you know, when the recovery happens, they're actually going to be one of the first people to see the recovery because you know the phone starts ringing. Yeah, producers aren't going to start getting better until they're up their production on those uh, with prices. So they get it even before the producers get it. And if you're looking at something like that. On a 2016 rebound, again, this is a guess, but my guess is since they're such an early responder to drilling activity and oil prices, I think distribution now could have a really good year. Got to make the phone call before you start drilling. Deep. Deep. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Leading indicators. Perfect. Cool. Uh, I'm going to go with EOG just because I've been plugging it for the last six months. Oh, boring. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Coralab Squared. Am I boring you with my stock pick? (laughs) I like EOG if you want to invest in the producer. They're a rock. They have held up. They have held up, which might be the issue. They might have held up too well. They're a rock. Too well. How do you hold up? In terms of their stock price, because maybe maybe people just wanted to remain in energy and they flew to EOG, and that's why the stock. To remain conservative. Yeah. Rock. It's a rock. That's why his stock price isn't down as as far as the market. Maybe That's they so make Bob an acquisition. That was a really bad Bob Seger impression. I tried. I'm sorry. You're good at. Most. I have never once claimed to be a good singer in my so. life. So <laughs> don't start today. Maybe that's your. Hey, who sings that? Resolution. Maybe you should let him sing it. <laughs> um, all right, so guys, 
Happy New Year. You too. You too. Do we have any champagne anywhere? No? No. no. Oh, Just well. tea. Tea? Lame. Oh, well. All right. That is it for us, folks. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Again, that is industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people in this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. Tyler Crow and Taylor Markerman, Happy New Year and Fool on! Fool on!